have your Bibles, Ephesians 4. Paul was in a moment where um, he begins as a prisoner of the Lord, which he was literally, he had things that he could no longer do that he used to do. And, and so in this passage, he is inviting the, the church as a whole to live and to work together in a way that he can't be there to tell them to live and work together. And so he's giving them some words. The, the next, uh, next verse, he says, be humble and gentle. And, and one of the things that uh, I was talking with a person who's considering, they, they're called from God. Everybody around them knows it. And they said, it just seems arrogant to go up and say, this is what God wants you to do as a pastor, you know? And I said, okay, so you just called me arrogant. And he was like, well, and I said, it does take a little bit, but you go with a humbleness of saying, I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong. Um, be completely humble and gentle. As we, as we lead people and walk with people, that gentleness in another place, we're told, should be evident to all. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love, right? Love has to cover everything. Love has to cover everything. So then Paul goes on to invite unity in the body. Why is unity important? When we get along, when we play well together, it's a testimony to other people. Um, it's why church fights are, are hard, not just on the people in the church, but, but on people outside. Um, nobody ever said, come enjoy a good church fight. So, but we do this, we, we try to keep unity in the spirit through the bond of peace because we recognize the next several verses. There's one body, one spirit, one hope when you were called, you were called to when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Um, at annual conference, we just said goodbye to 174 more churches. Uh, 140 last year, 174 this year. So 315 in all out of our 1180. I said we would lose about 30%. And if you do the math, I was pretty darn close. Um, so we have 850 who have remained. So hear that. Uh, early in my ministry, I talked with a person in the Free Methodist Church who liked a lot of the stuff we were doing and he said i wonder what merger would look like and he was not superintendent but he was right next in line and so i got him in contact with my superintendent and then he found out how many churches we had just in the Terre Haute district and he said this wouldn't be a merger it'd be a takeover because we had more churches in our Terre Haute district than they did in their conference which spanned all of indiana most of illinois and part of michigan so to have 840, 850 churches still in our denomination, in our state, is still not bad. At the end of this, when we all get to heaven, 
and we stand before God, if you ask God who was right and who was wrong in this, God's not going to answer your question. God's going to ask you a question. Did you love people in the midst of it? Right? Did you love people in the midst of it? Because we have one God and Father of us all. One faith, one baptism, one hope. And so some of the things we fight about, I think God just looks at us and goes, Oy vey, Tashmashigna. Crazy. I think God is calling us to something better, and that is to be a people who love. So, uh, how many of y'all have heard of purgatory? You heard of purgatory? Um, that comes from two passages in the Bible, one where Jesus uh, tells a parable about the rich man and Lazarus, and the other is this one. Um, how many of you grew up in a tradition where Jesus went to hell in the Apostles' Creed? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the Apostles' Creed, the next verse, go ahead and go to the next verse. Um, go to the one after that. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> when he ascended on high, he took many captives gave gifts to his people. Then verse 9, what does he ascended mean except he descended? It is this verse and this only that the whole he ascended, he descended, uh, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, ascended into hell. That's where it comes from, right here. Just a little tidbit for you. You're welcome. No problem. My, uh, my mother-in-law is Presbyterian, and she would, whenever she would visit and we would do the Apostles' Creed, she would accidentally go to hell. <laughs> so I had to help her understand, we Methodists don't go to hell, uh, just Presbyterians. And um, <laughs> I hope she watches this later. Oh, so, so good. Oh, and I love you, Sue, just in case you watch it. Um, so, but I want you, could you go back one verse to verse 8? When he ascended, would you read this? When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. It's an odd verse, isn't it? So, so in Judaism, um, the the understanding was God was God of the Jews, not of other people. Even though when God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, I will bless you, and by your name many will bless themselves. You will be a blessing, right? And a blessing to all the nations. And the idea was God started with this family and expanded out to encompass all creation. You see it through the prophets. Isaiah talks about it. Jeremiah talks about it. Ezekiel talks about it. All the prophets talk about God's expanding love going outside of the people Israel. The women's Bible study right now is reading through lineage of grace, and you read about uh, Tamar and um, what Rahab, right? And Ruth, right? 
all of whom were outside the family of Israel, all of whom were considered those people who weren't acceptable to God. God is is expanding God's grasp. And so the idea was, for those who were righteous, this comes about in the Maccabean period, that they would be taken up to paradise with God and that those who were not would go into suffering torment forever. This comes in about the 300 BCs. And so here in this passage, Paul is using that understanding and a Greek understanding of Hades. And he's undoing it that Christ has emptied hell, Hades, of its power and taken all the captives and set them free. So if you go, I know this, I know I'm jumping around a lot, Jake, and I know you love me for it. You could go to the hymn that we sung this morning first. I believe it's the second verse. We honor the church. Go to the second verse. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. And we on earth have union with God the three in one. And mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. Who's it talking about there? At every annual conference, we remember the pastors who've gone, who and the pastor spouses who've served the conference, who've gone before us, who've died. And we believe that there is this thin veil of time and awareness that separate us from those who have gone before and indeed from all of the kingdom of heaven that surrounds us every moment, but so often we are so distracted we don't see it. Right? We on earth have union with God the three in one. We're connected with God. One God, one baptism, one faith, one hope, right? And one family of faith. And mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. So if you think of all of those you love who have gone before, all the people you wish you could meet, all those whom Christ descended and brought out of captivity, for all time. We have this mystic sweet communion according to Hebrews 12. This is what we have. And so, when we pause and reflect, and and we wish we could do things like those people we know and love did, and we could have that strength and that power that they had, they are not abandoned to us. They surround us like a great cloud of witnesses saying, come on, you can do this. 
You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You are not alone. And your eyes may be sore to see them. They see you. And their hope is that we will make God's kingdom more real here on earth. It's why God gives gifts. We can jump back to the next, the last part of Ephesians 4. It says that God has called people and given these gifts to help us and to help the church. Every single one of you is called by God. Go ahead and go to, I think it's first. 10. I'm going to go with 10. It might be 11. Yeah, we'll go with 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all of you have a gift and a calling from God. All of you. All of you, all of you, all of you. And the purpose is not so that we can get to heaven but so that the church can work together in unity with humility covered by love to serve everyone so the body of Christ will get stronger and be shown more to be who we are. That's the end game. Go ahead and go to the last verse. And when we do that, we will become mature. I know some of you have gotten older, but not all of you have matured. I won't name names. I'm making no eye contact with anyone. That <laughs> you would have all of Christ living in and through you all of Christ living in and through you. At annual conference, one of the speakers, the one Jake was like, that guy was great. He said, you know, for all, he was talking about his book, Growing Young, which I'm going to get a couple copies and share if you want it uh, to read it with me, let me know. But he said, a lot of churches say we don't have any young people in our church. And in this part of the congregation, we don't have a lot of children attend here, correct? In the service. You say, what do we do? We don't have any kids. Every single community has children, right? And he said, the first thing you can do, do you remember what he said? Go be a good neighbor. Build the body of Christ by going and being the body of Christ out there with your neighbors. Love them. Welcome them. Be the best neighbor you can be. Because let's be honest. There's a world in need of love and compassion right outside your doorstep, isn't there? When we do that, we become more and more mature. We live out our calling from God. We build one another up and we bring God's message into the community. And Christ is made real. 